This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. Wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you downloading, listening, subscribing, and telling all your friends. We are presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Nate Bucati and Ali Trost, and today it's a special edition of the show because we are coming to you from Children's Mercy Park where they had a big media event today. U.S. Women's National Team Coach Vladko Endonovsky, Kansas City native, was here. We're going to talk with him one-on-one in a little bit. Peter Vermees, we're going to talk with him one-on-one as well. And we'll also recap the media game that I know all of you are dying to know about as well. But first and foremost, Vladko Andonovsky talked today. The U.S. Women's National Team is going to be coming here in October to play against the Korea Republic. But the big storyline, unfortunately, is a really dark cloud that's hanging over women's soccer, particularly NWSL. This is something that matters deeply to you. You do the play-by-play for the KC Woso team. And I'm just curious, quickly, before we get to some comments from Vladko, your reaction to everything that's come out over the past week in a league that matters so much to you and all of us. Yeah, I mean, just what everyone's been saying, it's deeply disturbing, disgusting, and it's something that it's, it's just not acceptable. And the bare minimum for these athletes is a safe environment, a safe professional environment to do their jobs in. And that has not been upheld the way that it should be. And it is not, there's been a history of issues in the same same vein, um, and there is up to this point not been a stop put to those issues, and so it will never be the same. And thank God for that. But it doesn't make what is happening right now any more difficult, um, and especially you know for the victims as well. You know, it's something that is going to require a lot of healing for a lot of people. So um, Kansas City is home to Hugh Williams and Vladko. It seems like everybody we talk to just has nothing but positive things to say about those guys. Chris and Angie Long, the owners of Casey Woso, are getting involved on the front level of this. What does that mean to you to be a part of an organization with Angie Long taking uh, taking the reins on a situation like yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, a, a, a press release came out shortly after the story broke in The Athletic, and Angie Long is part of an executive board that's helping lead a ton of initiatives to help make the league a better, safer place. And I'm not surprised one bit. I mean, she has from the get-go just been such a force uh, not just for Casey NWSL but in this league as well so I'm not surprised at all to see her uh, being in that role and embracing that responsibility it makes me proud to be a part of it because I think you know Vladko said it today and we'll get to some of this sound but you know when you see the facilities that they're building on in Riverside when you see them investing and having the team play at CMP next season it just is help pushing a new standard forward. And, yeah, it's, it's good to be excited about it, but it's also that should be the standard moving forward. And that is something that Chris and Angie from the get-go, they haven't asked for a ton of praise, like, oh, look at us doing all these great things. They're doing it because they believe that this is the standard, not just for women, like professional female athletes, but for professional athletes. And they are investing in that and they're doing that, not just saying it, but they're 
taking action. So unfortunately, Vlatko didn't get a chance to talk about a lot of those great things with the facilities because most of the press conference was spent talking about these issues with NWSL. Let's hear what he had to say at the beginning of the presser today. I, I mean, I, I was just disgusted by the details that I, that I saw in the, the, in the report. It was uh, horrible to read through and uh, read some of the details. But uh, we all, first and foremost, uh, have to focus on making, uh, on, on creating safe environments or on creating, creating trust between us and the players. Because when that trust is, is broken, bad things happen. And we, uh, we learn that. And uh, we got to make sure that we create safe environments, regardless of the gender, regardless of, uh, of what level of uh, competition we're talking about. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, when the players come in, uh, come in to play the, the game that they love, the, the game that they're passionate about and, and enjoy, that they know that they don't have to look over their shoulder uh, or be afraid of anything. Next question will go to Greg Eklund with local NPR affiliate KCUR. One moment, I'll bring the mic over. Hi, Vladko. Uh, Greg Eklund, KCUR, right here. Um, not only as the coach of the women's team, but as a father, how concerned are you about oversight on these conditions at every level, not just women's national team, NWSL, but even on levels leading up to that, since you have a daughter who plays in college? Yes, so when, uh, first personally, when I approach uh, coaching or the relationship uh, with the players, I see them uh, as I see my daughter, and uh, for the for the players that played to, played for me, they know that uh, when uh, m one of my philosophy, actually my philosophy of the field, is creating creating a family type environment, and uh, first and foremost, or first principle in that uh, creating family type type environment is the trust, and that's why I said, okay, we have to build trust, we have to be able to cre uh, to create a relationship where these players are going to trust us, and uh, we. Can, uh, nobody should take advantage of that. It is uh, very concerning to, to see uh, to see all of it and to see, to see that there is an oversight. And uh, I'm just glad that uh, there is an investigation going on different levels from the from the uh, uh, league perspective, even in the internally in the club perspective, and uh, and uh, on the national uh, on the national team or in the federation with uh, with Sally Yates uh, coming in. I, uh, you know, Miss uh, Miss Yates. We know that she uh, she's going to do an incredible job, and nothing is going to get over uh, overseen, so that, uh, overlooked. So uh, I know that it's a little bit too late, but at least we can stop it now and not allow anything like this to happen ever in any sport or any environment. Next question goes to Ali Trost with Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hi, Blacko. Hi. I've talked with a lot of players who have played for you that I've just come across and you know so many of them have just cited just the great relationship that they have with you and I, I'm sure that's not those aren't unique cases did you ever get any sense that things like this were happening in the league I, maybe not to the severity in which we learned in those reports from the athletic but was there ever any whispers or anything that you had heard prior to the reports that came out about these types of abuse and whatnot Absolutely not. I mean, uh, it, uh, that's why I was saying it, it was horrible to read this and to know that these things were happening uh, around me and the players that I coached or two players that, uh, that I coached. Uh, it, uh, it was tough to read, 
but uh, in the same time, the, the whole time as I was reading, I was thinking about the players because I'm sure it was a lot tougher for them. So I just want to support them uh, and uh, with, uh, with, with their fight. And uh, all I can say is just encourage them to, to lead the way as they started, uh, and uh, we're going to follow. So there is Vlatko Andonovsky uh, talking about it. He addressed it head-on today, didn't try to hide from the issues at all. Now soccer in America, especially on the women's side, needs to press forward and do much, much better at all levels. That's been covered. Vlatko spent the entire news conference talking about that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the other things and some of the positive things happening in Kansas City regarding women's soccer, including the U.S. women's national team coming to town. That's right after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show, a special edition of the SKC Show right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you download your content. We, of course, appreciate you listening, subscribing, and letting all your friends know about it. Nate Bucati and Ali Trost here at Children's Mercy Park, where they had a special event today where Peter Vermees, Hugh Williams, and... U.S. Women's National Team head coach and Kansas City native Vlatko Andonovsky uh, was here today as well. And Vlatko joins us now on the show. Vlatko, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so look, we, we already talked about it in our last segment. You, you spent a lot of time addressing the issues that, that are going on in, in the world of NWSL right now and all that. So we're going to move on from that and focus on some things you didn't really have as much of a chance to talk about and maybe let our audience get to know you a little bit as well. You described yourself at the news conference today a few times as a Kansas City native. People might hear your accent and say, wait a second, how is he a Kansas City native? I'll let you explain that. How did you come to Kansas City, and why did Kansas City become home to you? So the reason I ended up in Kansas City is actually Zoran Savic, the assistant coach for uh, Sporting Kansas City. He drafted me in uh, the uh, disposal draft from Wichita Wings, and from uh, 2001 until uh, now, uh, Kansas City has been a home. Uh, I, uh, I got married here. I, uh, my kids are born here. So Kansas City is uh, all they know. And Kansas City is, uh, at this point, is, I feel like uh, all I know. So we have a point of commonality here because uh, as a play-by-play announcer for soccer, Zorn Savic was my first coach because I did one year of the Kansas City attack back in the year 2000, and he was the head coach and kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. So give me a good Zorn story. Like, uh, I'm sure you got some really good ones, but tell us something about what, why, why was it uh, him that brought you to Kansas City? Uh, I mean, first I got drafted, and yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what, uh, what to expect. But, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from Zoran. Zoran uh, knows the game inside and out, uh, and it was very, uh, very helpful going forward because it, uh, eventually I became uh, the, the coach of the Comets and used a lot of the, lot of the coaching, um, uh, coaching methods from Zoran or the, the methods that he used when he was the coach. Okay, so I love how you talk about choosing Kansas City, really, to, to spend your life here. And we hear that from a lot of different coaches as well who talk about just, yeah, Kansas City, it just was the place. I feel like this is somewhere where people come, they like it, and then they come back and, and decide to stay. Um, and for you, a part of that is also getting to see soccer grow here. So can you just give us your perspective on how much you've seen this sport grow from every level, not even just at the professional level, but from the youth level as well? Oh, uh, tremendous. I mean, uh Everything that is happening, uh, everything that is happening around from uh, from the complexes, fields, uh, 
the growth of the professional sports and uh, everything that is happening, it seems like uh, it's getting to the next level. Every every year there's something new, something different, something better. And uh, yes, soccer is definitely making a mark uh, in a Kansas City that is known for being a a, a true football town. But uh, I think that it's changing a little bit. So you talk about that talent level and having the chance to get to know Hugh Williams over the years, who I know you're obviously very close with as well. He's the coach of the Casey Woso team now, was the, was the GM of the, of the FC Casey back in those days. Um, I always love it because he knows about all of the youth talent in this city, and he'll text me right before the NWSL draft and say, we've got four kids that are going to get drafted out of Kansas City this year. Yeah. And he'll tell you about who each one of them is. And every single game, like every game I prep for to call, it's like, oh, and, you know, I'm on the phone with Hugh. Like, we're going through the rosters. And he's like, oh, yeah, and I coached her, and I coached her sister, and I know her dad. I'm like, do you know everyone in this league? Like, every team that comes through uh, Kansas City or, you know, when they're Absolutely. on the road. Absolutely, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of kids have, uh, have came through uh, the – um, to the teams that uh, Hugh used to coach and uh, just uh, get to know him early on when I was in Kansas City and get to know uh, Peter as well. Uh, it's uh, I just said it in the press conference. It's been great. And these are the these are the coaches that I was looking up to when, when I first started coaching here. So when did you first meet? We'll get into more with your or more on your relationship with Hugh. But when did you meet Peter? I met Peter, uh, I don't know, 2009, I believe, 10, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Uh, obviously, it was uh, connected with soccer. We talked about it. And then eventually, I became uh, sporting uh, Blue Valley d- director of ECNL. And uh, the job that was offered by me uh, offered to me by Peter. So, again, we're visiting with Vladko Andonovsky, and we're talking about all these different Kansas City connections here. And we've just listed off four coaches that have done amazing things in their career, not just in the local community, but on the national and international level as well. And it makes me wonder, like, why? Because these are all, like, you guys are all from somewhere else. You know, Hugh's from Wales, you know, yeah. and Peter's from New Jersey. Um, why do you think it is? What, what was the maybe the, the driving force to stay in Kansas City for, for everybody? I don't know if there's uh, there's anything in particular for Kansas City, but I know what brought us together is that the love for the game, is the the passion for the game, and uh, every single one. I mean, every one of us, uh, we're all different, but we're all same when the game uh, when the uh, when the game is um, in uh, uh, in conversation. So. Uh, I don't know. I cannot pinpoint like, oh, what brought us here, but we all, you know, or why we're here. But I know that we all talk one common language, and that's, uh, that's soccer. soccer. The beautiful football. game. The yeah. beautiful game. Yeah. <laughs> the beautiful game. So, and it's also been a place where you've had a lot of success, too. Two NWSL championships in 2014 and 2015. Would you describe that as being maybe the, the turning point in your coaching career? It was definitely one of the uh, nicest times in my coaching career because uh, obviously two uh, championships uh, and then uh, in between I co- I coached the Comets uh, so I w- we won a championship with them and went undefeated one season with 20 and 0 so yes it was definitely an, uh, a nice time but I don't know if it was a it was a turning point uh, because the, there was never a turning point from oh. Uh, I was bad and I'm I'm good now. It's uh, I always feel, always feel uh, like the the coaching career is a process. Uh, you get to certain point and you and you 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 feel like 
okay, I know that I can get better. And then you, you keep uh, you keep educating yourself, you keep researching, and then you get to a certain point, you win a championship or you, or you, you, you gain some kind of success and everybody feels like, okay, he, he made it. And then you personally, you always feel like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Like, how can I get better now? That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your team right now because you guys are coming to Children's Mercy Park to play a game and uh, we'll encourage everybody to get their tickets. Come watch this U.S. Women's National Team play. And one of the big storylines is this is going to be one of the last games that Carly Lloyd ever plays for the U.S. Women's National Team, her second to last game. What an incredible player. What, what would you tell somebody, maybe if you were trying to sell a ticket, and say why is it so important to come see specifically Carly Lloyd play one of these last games? I mean, uh, first, it's important to see all the players who I think are unbelievable, unbelievable players, unbelievable role models. Uh, but uh, Carly in particular, okay, they're only going to have a chance to see Carly for two more times uh, in this jersey. And uh, Carly is a true legend. And mm-hmm. uh, if uh, she was uh, uh, if she was anywhere in the in the world, I would. Uh, I feel comfortable saying that uh, complexes were going to be named after her, stadiums were going to be named uh, after her, streets were going to be named <laughs> after her. I mean, mm-hmm. she, she's a legend, uh, two times World Player of the Year, uh, uh, Olympic gold medals, uh, World Cup gold medals, uh, MVPs, you name it. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know, I just feel honored to to say that I, I had a chance to be around her, to work with her in this uh, two years or less. And uh, for uh, for young players in particular to come out and see the legend live uh, for one or you know, one last time, I think it's uh, it's it's good. It's good learning opportunity because uh, one day uh, they can say they've they've been there, they've seen it, they. Uh, and they've experienced it. Well, and that kind of longevity, too, is just, it's so remarkable. I, I grew up watching Carly Lloyd, and yet here she is, and I feel like I've gotten to grow up watching her through every phase of my life, through every phase of her career. What is the key, as, as a coach and what you've seen, to career longevity like that as a player? What does someone need to have to have that long a, a, and successful of a career? That, that longevity doesn't, doesn't just come okay that's uh, lots of work lots of effort and uh, lots of hours behind closed doors i mean she's probably one of the most uh, determined hard-working players that uh, and committed players that i've ever seen and uh, for carly uh no is not an answer i mean she she just when she puts her mind to something she's gonna get it done She's going to find a way. She's going to work so hard to, to get it done. And uh, once again, what a great example uh, for the players that she has worked with uh, or played with uh, so far or anybody else that uh, has an opportunity to see her. I was just going to say last camp when we were talking a little bit about it and she's on the table with, uh, with uh, Sophia Smith. Carly scored her first goal when uh, Sophie, Sophia Smith was uh, five years old. I mean, that's uh, pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. So for, for some players uh, yeah. that are going to be out here and watch this national team, Sophia Smith is going to be here. Okay, maybe yeah. one of them is going to be on the table with her 20 years or 15 years from now. It's the beauty about of the U.S. Women's really? National Team to me is just how many generations have yeah. been so positively impacted, um, you know, by it. And I saw a really funny stat. It was like the Mewis sisters make up like what is it like 0.9 for? Or they make up some you know fun funny little percentage. But just how rare it is for them to as sisters have you know made the, the team. Yeah. And yeah, it's just it's really cool. So my final question for you then, because you, you mentioned role models, and I coach my daughters. Uh, 
nine-year-old and under team, the Glowing Dragons, and uh, and and we're getting together. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to make a big group effort to come out and, and watch the women's national team because uh, we come to the KC Woso games. I want the girls to see female role models that they can dream of being when they grow up. These are ten-year-old and under girls. Um, what would you tell them they should watch for? Like, what sh- if they want to see these role models on the field when they come watch this game against Korea? What should they notice and appreciate the most? Yes, uh, so I mean, what a better role model than the youth women national team players? I mean, they uh, they're just uh, tremendous people. They're they're fighters on the field, fighters off the field. Uh, I mean. They're, they're just great, great people to be around or great people to watch. First and foremost, uh, as soccer players coming to watch them, obviously they're, they're seeing what they do with the ball and the touches and the moves, and, and, and that's what excites everyone. But watching them off the ball, the way they carry themselves, the way they talk to their teammates, the way they, they, uh, they prepare themselves for a game, the, the, the way they, they help their teammates when, they don't, when they're not in possession of the ball, those are little things that you, you, they, that you can spot and you can, you, can, you can see their mentality and you can see the way they're thinking. And uh, it's just, uh, it just shows how selfless they are and how, uh, how, uh, how much they're willing to do whatever it takes uh, for the good of the team. I'm going to play this back for the Glowing Dragons so yes. they make sure to watch for all that stuff when they come to the game. Vlako, thank you so much for the time, and I think I speak for all of us in Kansas City. We're so proud to see you leading the U.S. women's national team. Best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, and thanks for all your support along the way. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to continue with more of this. we got Peter Vermees coming up from out here at Children's Mercy Park as well. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show, a special edition coming from Children's Mercy Park today where there was a big media event. And, of course, I'm talking about the media game between uh, all the different uh, media yeah, members. We'll that analyze today. that next. Yeah. And so, so Peter Vermees is now joining us live. And Peter is actually the one person out here who looks fit enough to go out and play uh, in one of these games. How disgusted would you be by watching <laughs> those of us that are trying to get out there and play in this thing today? I, I wouldn't be. The only thing I'm always, when I see those types of games, I'm always worried for those who participate because somebody always gets ahead of themselves uh-huh. and think they can do a little bit more than We're not even allowed to can. wear cleats. Yeah. I hope they weren't spring- I, I hope there were no sprinklers out. Hartzell, I, I've been Hartzell, having some bad times with sprinklers yeah, as of late. I got hit true. in Dallas. Hartzell's the most likely to get out over his skis, though. Isn't he? I mean, the way the energy that he brings and all that. Maybe, but he's also young. So that might... He also just heard you, so <laughs> yeah. he's coming around. Oh, I'm, trying, I'm playing mind games that, with him already. That might play into him yeah. being okay. That's but true. honestly, I, I just worry that somebody gets crazy and... I always say, look, if the action looks, you're even questioning, just back off. Right. Don't go into it. it. No, it's not because you'd like to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, let's not end up in a cast or you know, the emergency room at some point today. All right, so first of all, just how are you, man? I mean, the team, you got six games left in the season, a little bit of a break here. I know not a break for you guys, but in terms of games being played, um, how, how you how you feeling right now? How do you feel about the way everything's going? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the guys. I think that they've um, managed the season up to this point pretty darn well. Um, I, I, I would say that, you know, I, I'm not speaking for other teams, I'll speak for us, I think, you never feel like you're completely there, that you always got stuff you need to work on, um, and, and we do. And But I also think that it's it's a good place to be in to know that you have to work on some things, right? Um, we're, you know, we're in the mix at the top, which is, which is good. 
Um, I would say that there is a, a good belief, a good confidence within the group. Um, but like any team, we have stuff that we have to work on. We have to sort out a couple things. Uh, I wouldn't say they're overly complicated. I would say just it's, it's part of the game. And, and it's easy. You can just look at our last game, right? There's some defensive things, and there's some also attack things. Like we have to be more clinical when you have clear-cut chances like we did in the game because you could have put that game away a lot earlier, and everything changes at that moment. Um, but but you also have to keep your foot on the gas pedal as well as a team. So when it comes to, you know, maybe working on some of those things in training and, of course, coming up on an international break here, the team's off for a couple of days. They'll be back in training, but you'll be missing Daniel Shelley, got Gadi Kinda. Fans won't get to watch a game till October 17th. What are some of the things that you do to, to prepare based off of last game what you saw and maybe what the team will be working on here with some more time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not as if, like, after the last game, now I got all these, you know, I got an epiphany yeah. and all these things. So we, we've been thinking about them for a while, you know, how we can maybe use this time to the best. I mean, the first thing is, is that I got to give the guys a break, right? I got to give them a break physically. I got to give them a break mentally. But it's not everybody because there are certain guys that maybe haven't played as much. So got to keep them going and make sure that their fitness is up. So when it comes to the team, how do you get it, how do you get it to, mm-hmm. you know, to where you want it to be? The, the, the key is, is that probably a little video to kind of show it's not like me just speaking about it and the guys have to imagine it yeah you gotta you gotta show a little video and then create some some situations that you know mimic that from the video to the field and let the guys be in those situations and then make sure everybody's clear and understands what their role is in those moments um and then and then just practice it you know yeah. but not every day and not you know killing yourself on it because there's other parts that are really good, and I don't want to stray away from those as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big believer that you, you 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 continue to try to make your strengths even stronger, and then you you, you slowly capture a little bit of those those mm-hmm. things that maybe you're not doing so well. Yeah. So in, in most of the leagues in the world, you're just trying to get as many points as possible till the end of the season. But in America, we love our playoffs, and so you got a playoff system that means however many points you get will affect your seeding and all of that. I'm curious with, with this, you know, at about this time, six games to go, which, if you had to pick, which is more important, getting as many points as possible over the last six games or getting your team in the right place, wherever that is, playing the right way or just feeling the best about yourself, how, do you, how would you prioritize those things? I know you're trying to do both. Yeah, I, I mean, what I would say though is, is that if you're if you are getting the points, you're probably also getting in the right place. Sure. Right. Yeah. But obviously, you you, you need to be in form. You 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 have to have parts of your game that have to be there, um, and so you can't neglect those things. And and you know, as the season unfolds, you're you're trying to to chip away at little parts of your game you're right now i i think that you know obviously we're going to make mistakes at time with it but when you look at our team and you see how well we possess the ball how well we move the ball how well we move the ball with purpose to create opportunities that's a huge feather in our cap right and and it's not an easy and i tell the guys this all the time what you guys do on the field that's not easy so don't don't take it for granted don't think that it's it's just this little simple thing. It's it's not. It, it takes a lot of work. And we have to continue to understand that that has to be a big part of who we are. Um, but that has to continue to re- resemble us as we move, you know, in these next six games and, you know, then hopefully pay- playoffs, right? I mean, we need to continue to resemble who we are. And, and you hope if you're doing that, 
you're keeping your form up. What you'd like to see in the playoffs, you'd like to see sort of this, and and it sounds it sounds probably crazy because you would say, oh, you always want to do that, but all of your sentence, uh, all of your senses get heightened at that moment, mm-hmm. right? Like you're you're, it's like you see everything, right? Maybe everything's slowing down, but you know you're there, you're in the moment, and you get it, and and so. That's what you're trying to work for. And the good thing is we have quite a few guys that have been in the playoffs and they understand what it's like to be in the playoffs. Well, and not just even like the playoffs too, but you've had guys step up this year and be big-time guys when the game required them to be that just in regular season matches as well. And so, you know, when you consider the fact that, yeah, you have guys who have been in the playoffs, I thought it was really cool. We talked to Shallowy about his debut with Hungary, and he was like, hey, you know, you're on the bench, and it's like sensory overload. You see all these 60,000 fans, and then he's like, the second you step on the field, it's like – quiet and I know he was a big part of your team back in 2018 but he's had a lot more experience now and, and sprinkled in there as well some adversity just you know we've talked so much about Daniel Shallowy but how much better positioned is he now do you think to in addition with the other guys on your team who have been those big time players to really give you guys a shot because you have players who know exactly how to handle those heightened yeah it, it's it's a good question I, I, I think that um, he and many other guys are are prepared for number of things some of it's because of disappointment right and 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 you as a competitor you feed off of that you you want to you want to redeem yourself you want to you want to go further than you did last time so so not in those moments taking your foot off the gas pedal not not you know letting something go and being very detail oriented when those things happen because that's how you fall out right that's how you get knocked out because you weren't paying attention to the details but Look, having experience is 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 an important thing, but you also have to know how to use the experience, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that have been to the playoffs, but they, they don't use it. They don't use that experience in, in in the way that it can help you get a result. And I think that you know we have quite a few guys that have that, and you're going to lean on that. I think the other side of it too is is that we have guys that have changed position. You know, we have guys that have moved around the field, and they've, they've helped us in different ways. Um, and, and that's an important aspect, too, because that means that the the mentality of the team is correct because you're doing it for the team and the result, not yeah. not just, oh, I like to play center forward. I don't want to play anywhere else. Or, I, you know, <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're willing to do more. Those are teams that have a chance to, to, to do something. Yeah. We're visiting with Peter Vermees and, and Peter, part of uh, this. We're out here at Children's Mercy Park today. This is a big media event. Vlatko was here. We just had him on the show. Hugh Williams is here. And stick with me on this for a second. But I, was, I watched a documentary the other day about how all of the great pop songs of the past, like, 30 years came out of Stockholm, Sweden. And the whole documentary was about, like, why? What is it about Stockholm, Sweden that brought all these amazing music minds? And every time somebody wants to write a great pop song, they go to this studio in Stockholm and, and all these different, you know, branches that come from it. And when I was listening to Vlatko talk about how it was Zorn Savic who brought him to Kansas City. He's on your staff. He, you know, Vlatko's now the U.S. women's national team head coach. Here you are, the, you know, all the things you've accomplished and what Kansas City is and, and the, the facilities you have here, the success you have here. Hugh Williams, you know, doing the same type of thing. Um, do you have any idea why like, you guys all came from different places and then now you're here in Kansas City? What, is there some kind of weird magnetic force that's bringing great soccer minds to this town? Like, what, How would you explain that? I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually an interesting question. I would just say that um, for me, I know that I'm at the place I'm supposed to be. You know, I, 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 
I could have ended up in a lot of different places, um, you know, just through my playing career. You know, I remember when, you know, I was back then there wasn't really tampering when I was <laughs> in Colorado. So I remember I got a call from Brian Bliss, who became the assistant here. And Brian's like, hey, if we traded for you, would you would you come here? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at that at that time period, it was uh, me and my wife and my two kids. And my two kids were like kindergarten, first grade. And and I remember um, our, our thought process was, well, look, if we're not in Jersey, it doesn't matter. We'll just go anywhere, right, until you're mm-hmm. all done and we'll move back to New Jersey. And when we got here, you know, I, I got here in January to go with the team in preseason. And my family didn't come until, like, June because they had to sell the house and the kids had to finish school and all that stuff. And then I went back there and got them and brought them back here or brought them here. And um, – uh, I remember we were here for six months um, because Christmas came. We actually drove back to New Jersey with the family to go spend time with our family back there at Christmas. And when we were driving back to Kansas City after that, my wife said, I never want to move back to New Jersey. I I, I love it in Kansas. And that was, you know, after six months. And so um, I don't know. It's it's just a great place in so many ways. Um, It really is. And, And that's what I was saying earlier about just even World Cup. Like one of the things that doesn't get mentioned about you can talk about all the facilities, talk about, but the environment. I think all the teams would have a great time because the people here are are so friendly. Number one, they are. They just are. Number two, is that for teams, what always a difficulty is is when you go to venues and the traffic is there, it can be (laughs) a lot to manage. And the fact that you can get around this city with you know, I would say ease compared to where you know I've been to a lot of places i'm just saying it would we can play about easier. traffic if it slows down by 10 minutes that's why i couldn't minutes, i don't know, you know if i could live anywhere else because i'm like i'm in 10 minutes of traffic barely on i-35 and i'm like oh. yeah it's like a, throw me in la and i would freak yeah, out yeah exactly you don't want to live your life in your car but yeah but for teams to get around and, mm-hmm. and manage the city would be would be really really good for them as well just from a venue point of view i mean i just want to picture you and Vlatko and guys like that sitting around talking soccer you know, I mean, have you had moments like that? I mean, you guys have a no. history together. And all. Really? <laughs> well, I don't know if you know, but um, years ago, you probably you don't, probably don't know this, but years ago um, when I was spending uh, working with uh, Sporting Blue Valley, well, Hugh was running KCFC. Right. Mm-hmm. And I went to him and said, hey, you know, I think it would be great if we merged our two clubs together. So basically we – we took in KCFC, right? Mm-hmm. So he came over and worked, and, and then Vodko was with the group, and we brought him in too. So right. we actually all worked together there right. way, way back when. Um, and then he he kind of, you know, Vodko went on to some other things. Hugh did the same. You know, we all kind of started to – our tentacles started to go out from, from there. But – we were all kind of working together at, at, at Sporting Blue Valley. Yeah, Vlatko told us that. So that's like someday we'll, we'll have to do a thing like the Stockholm Sporting Blue Valley was the was the Stockholm Sweden of soccer <laughs> thought. You need to have like a big you know? map. Of, but I do think it's really It's amazing cool. though, isn't it? Well, so like having grown up in St. Louis and like being of the age of like, I guess the young players who were growing up as soccer was really growing, I mean, in St. Louis – a lot of the guys who played pro came back to St. Louis, like Jeff Cacciatore, Eric Delabar, Dan O'Keefe, Al Trost, like all of them still live there today. And so I think it's funny, like having, you know, now been in Kansas City for four years, like 
it's been pretty much the same case for professional players who, I mean, St. Louis is finally uh, getting on the MLS train, but to just see how many people have come back and reinvested into the growth of soccer in the places that they either played in or that meant a lot. I, I don't know. There's something about the Midwest, and I almost feel like, you know, it, what, was it like a blank canvas to you almost, too, where you can kind of put your mark on it and you're not going and just joining an already somewhat established thing? I, I, I think yes, uh, for sure. I, I, I think there's no doubt that that's a, that was a big uh, enticing piece to me, um, for sure. Um, but I always wanted to – it was it was a lifelong dream of mine to always be a part of building a club. So, And I was very fortunate to, to be given the opportunity to be a part of doing something like that. Um, I always say, you know, it's 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 not my team, right? It's, I, I'm fortunate enough to be the steward at this moment of, of, of the club and, and, and of the team. And so – because it's the players. It's, it is. It's truly about the players, and that's, and that's what this is all about. At the same time, I think they all come back because of a couple things. I think one is, you know, we've already spoken about Kansas City and what this place is like. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous place to live and, and, and raise a family. The other side is that I think that the club, um, I think we, we've taken on the, if you will, sort of the philosophy that we're always going to stay connected to the people that have helped kind of grow and build the organization because they're going to help perpetuate that that culture that environment that mm-hmm. that has been created yeah because they've been involved in it and so um it's a credit to again you know we have a incredible ownership we're we're extremely lucky in that regard their involvement is incredible for on so many levels you know it's not when people think of owners they think about financial and it's not it's not with, with our ownership group, it's not that. It, yeah, of course they have to do that, but it's it's their time, it's their it's their vision. They weren't successful um, before because they were lucky. They were successful because you know true and 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 proven uh, methodology and and philosophy and implementation. And so they've been they've been a part of this whole thing, um, and they've been leading the way. And and when you when you have the kind of relationship. Um, that I do, and I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have it with our owners like I do, it it, it changes um, the club to being just a business, but this club's a family, and I think that's why a lot of a lot of different people come back and want to be a part of it. Yeah, and people stay, too. I have to ask, though, what, what, what's your uh, preference on red wine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That, 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 you know, that, that, uh, to, to answer that question, that's a, that's a, a, a on a serious note, that, there's a there's just a little tradition between uh, Bonnie uh, Illig um, and and myself and the staff and um, I think she was just being cute that day um, but at the end um, the bottom line is is that again the the ownership is just they're they're just great people and I and mm-hmm. I and I really really say this that not just myself but all of us in the organization are extremely fortunate to to uh to be a part of this organization oh it's because been, of them it's been a joy getting to meet the illigs and, and I, I think what you said is so spot on too it's like they're not the owners who are just sitting in a tower far away like they are at every single game like they care bonnie about has, bonnie has opinions on the players you know she has she has oh thoughts. i know i know <laughs> we had a we had, awesome. a we had a we had a we had a uh I can't remember if it was the start of the season in preseason or it was an Arizona. She told me about this. You guys it, had a dinner and yeah, I think it was, but I think it was, there was a time that I went down there. I always do a planning session with ownership uh, for the next year. Mm-hmm. 
And somehow I went out to dinner and we started talking and, and she kind of gave me her run through of all the players, which was unreal. It was great. But I mean, see, I don't look at that as a, uh, I think there'd be some that would be like, oh, really? I honestly think that's unbelievable because it shows how invested they yeah. are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Again, it's not just that it's, you know, they, they own the team. They're truly invested and they, they care about the wins, the losses, the draws. Mm-hmm. They care. They're, they're in it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really fun stuff. And, Peter, we appreciate the time. It's going to be a really fun last couple of uh, six weeks of the season and then into the playoffs after that. So thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, that's Peter Vermees. We're going to take a break, come back, and wrap things up on the Sporting Kansas City Show right after this, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on the Sporting Kansas City Show right here on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Nate Bucati along with Ali Trost. Our thanks to Vlatko Andonovsky and Peter Vermees for joining us here at Children's Mercy Park. I'm just going to let you know the way this thing works. We taped those two segments. <laughs> then we went to commercial break. While you were in commercial break, we went outside here at Children's Mercy Park and played a 20-minute media game, Team Nate Bucati versus Team Hartzell Gray. And Hartzell Gray joins us now. Oh, man. What this a is a moment I've dreaded for what quite some time. Yeah. 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 Uh, because I will mm-hmm. take with me to my grave my undefeated record in the hot dog race at Children's at, uh, at Kauffman Stadium. Look at him. He's flustered. You my hear that last, my last victory ever against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this time you got a bit of a, of a shot of revenge. Mm-hmm. Well, here it's not really revenge if it's fate, Nate you, Katie. You know, I had said this since. This is that fateful day over at Kaufman when we had just took a little bit of tussle in the um, in the relish suit. There's some shenanigans, some chicanery that went on. I had crossed the line first, and I told the world, yourself included, that I didn't lose that race and that I was going to get redemption. And today, Nate Bucati, fast forward a couple years and some change. Under God and in front of all of mankind, the Hartzell Grays, the fighting Hartzell Grays, we brought home that brass ring. Some might even call it gold. We're the champions. And fate, fate played itself out today, Nate UKD. And you just, I just love it when a plan comes together. I love it when good things happen to good people like myself and my team. And uh, I guess the floor is yours. So there's about a thousand factual errors that were, that were just told right there. But we'll, get, not, we'll, not we'll set that aside and we'll move forward. Not Your team one. won seven to six. Unlike you, uh, I'll be gracious in defeat. And, and acknowledge the scoreboard at the end of the day, which you still have a difficult time doing when it comes to the hot dog race. Well, there wasn't a scoreboard involved. But I do was, have a question for you. Did I score a goal against you out there today? Well, here's the thing, Nate. And it was a penalty kick situation. Allie, this, is, this is not a yes or no. And this, you know, as we yes followed no along question. this season, as we followed MVP Shallowy, you know, he doesn't score PKs. He just scores them outright. Allie and, Trost does. And so to hear I you. Think, okay, hear well, you, Hartzell, I don't want to discredit. And I need to add some important context here. I was on. The Fighting Hartzell Gray. Yes, I was on yes, the championship team, and I also scored a penalty. I I went at mine, Johnny Russell style. Mm-hmm. Nate fired right down. I mean, right at you, buddy. Right at you. Again, I prefer PKs when they're on my team. All right, when the other side has a chance, I, I, that's just not real soccer to me. I tried to give you a chance to save it. 
what I did. to give you a chance for some glory. And here's what I did. While you were taking that PK, you know, trying to, you know, soak up the glory, what I did was give my team a chance to rest up <laughs> to make the comeback, which is exactly what we did, courtesy of stars like Ali Trost. I will say this. And myself. Soccer is, a, is the ultimate team game, so I would like to take this opportunity to blame my entire team. Mm-hmm. Every letting me down because uh, I, I, there's no absolute way on planet Earth that you should ever have a soccer team that beats my team, and that is just outrageous right now. They all let me down. They all failed me. However, I, like I was. all of them under the bus. On that team, and I will give myself a little bit of, of credit here because we Take came on Nate a little bit late as we sent our guests into commercial break. We, ha- we arrived a little late to the media game. It was already underway. They did not wait for the two of us, but they were like, hey, Allie, put on blue. Blue's struggling right now. And what did we do? We came out in minutes in. And, Allie, I appreciate you. And Peter Ramiz got to witness it. I can't wait to ask him. Which is great for me. About my form. And I guess great for both of us because I think we're probably now going to be sent to the academy probably immediately en route. Uh, we are the future. This, this was essentially a future Hog, game. Hogwarts Academy. I keep checking my phone to see if Vlatko is actually going to call For the me. magic trick you pulled off by somehow winning this game today. <laughs> the magic trick was the magic on the field. And what, saw, and what they saw was what they saw was a show. There was some magic yeah. left over from Hartzell, Sunday. We did exchange jerseys. We exchanged pennies afterwards. That was a special moment. Hartzell, uh, I'm going to kick you off the show now. I was willing to squash this beef. Congra- I was willing congratulations to on the win. Now go jump on the Hogwarts Express. Off to the academy you go. I'll see you next time. Congratulations, brother. I'll see you. Mania. Uh, <laughs> that's Hartzell Gray. Hartzell Gray is, uh, is absolutely one of the gems here at Children's Mercy Park. He brings the energy every single game. Well, and I got to give Hartzell awesome. a little bit of credit here because no, I ran into, no, 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 I do, because I ran into a fan, and she was like, and that guy that they have in stadium, he's just, and I was like, Hartzell Gray. And now that I get to go to a lot of stadiums around MLS, Sporting Kansas City fans, we are lucky to have the best in-stadium host and not just all of Major League Soccer, but I would argue in all of professional sports. Now like he's Hartzell. putting the headset back on, Allie. Way to go. Stop I, I it had some to more. do it. Stop it some more, Allie. Hartzell needs- Stop it some more. <laughs> but I do want to say to Kansas City, thank you so much. You make my job the easiest in the world. We have the best fans in the, in the, in the country. Okay, one last thing before you hop off. How was um, – Having Peter Vermees chug a beer in the cauldron, or not, or not the cauldron, in the uh, Budweiser brew house. So game. my dad called me because I tweeted the video. My dad creeps on all my social media. And so he says, Hartzell, Hartzell, did you get did you get in trouble? I was like, we're talking about it. It was, it was great. The crowd loved me. The cauldron was at uh, in the, the Budweiser brew house. He's like, look at that video. Yeet. Peter Vermees was ready for that mic. You kept Peter Vermees waiting. <laughs> and I was. And I went back to the tape. And sure enough, PV wants that mic. He was ready to go. And PV, if you're listening. I apologize. I will never, ever steal a hot mic from Peter Vermees ever again. Ever go. again. Lesson hey, there. Lesson mistake. learned. That's okay. It happens as long as we learn from them and we grow. Hearts, you're the best man. We love you. Love you, brother. Now it's one to one, basically, me and you. Now we're going to have to have a cage match or something to sell no this thing guard. once and for all. Kansas City Street Fight. Uh, Book it. No, top rope, man. You better watch out. I'm master Ooh, of no, the aerial attack. The basketball hoop at the Bucati driveway. Oh, he has no <laughs> shot at that. No chance whatsoever. So we need a fair fight. So we'll come up with something else. Me and Gene said the cream rises to the top, Nate yeah. Bucati. All right. That's Harcel Gray right there. <laughs> Speaking of the cream rise to the top, we're going to wrap things up. Ali Trost with a little conversation about the U.S. men's national team because they are starting the next window, window number two of World Cup qualifying and our guy, Gianluca Busio, has been called in for this one. First and foremost, what type of a role do you think he might play in this three-game window? I don't know. Nate, I'm, I'm really curious to see. We saw Gianluca, of course, earlier this summer get, uh, get a go in some Gold Cup games and, and definitely grew into his role. But 
look, this is a guy who is pretty versatile, and I think he's called in to, to play in that defensive mid role that he's, if anything, maybe just found himself in in the last uh, year or so. I'm curious to see. I, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how Berhalter and company end up – I wouldn't imagine him starting, but I think he's going to be a really good option off the bench and is going to have a big opportunity to come in and really help out. And as we know, it's a grind. It's going to be interesting, too, just because what we saw through the first qualifying window with the three-game format like Mm -hmm. this, really difficult to play everybody all three games. So there is going to be a rotation in the squad Mm -hmm. at some point. And Berhalter seemed to do this both in the summer competitions, uh, the Nations Cup, and and then the Gold Cup. And then, of course, the the World Cup qualifiers last time around base those uh, changes on what the game might call for, depending on who the opponent is. They got Mm -hmm. Jamaica first then Panama in Panama, then Costa Rica back in the United States. So we'll see how that all plays out. How much better do you feel or how do you feel in general about where the national team sits now after that result down in Honduras that kind of saved things in the first window? That's why I feel confident, and a big part of that is Ricardo Pepe. I think a big question going in to that first round was, who's the goal scorer on this team? There really hadn't been a, a defined starting number nine, and Ricardo Pepe didn't just claim that role. He ran with it, and so I think that any confidence for me or, or any confidence I was lacking that I feel like I have more of now comes down to players like him. It also comes down to players like Busio getting – a go in the gold cup and getting to win a champion like that experience is just so invaluable and so i just really feel like the u.s men's national team as a whole yes the west mckinney thing you had some setbacks along the way but i feel like collectively there's competition within certain position groups now which you always want and you just have guys with more experience which is going to pay off in the long run and so i'm curious to see how some of that um unfolds but i mean ricardo pepe to me is a big confidence boost in, in how i perceive where the men's national team is right now going into the second round. That's really interesting. I mean, I've be, I become a big Ricardo Pepe fan. Part of it, I, I guess I have my own little journey in terms of, of Ricardo Pepe because here in Kansas City, we got to, you know, call, you know, a couple of games of his sporting Kansas City playing against FC Dallas. Then I got the opportunity to call the game for Fox in which he and – FC Dallas were playing against Austin FC. That happened to be right after the MLS All-Star game. Of course, he goes to MLS All-Star game. It gets announced at that time that he has chosen to play for the United States men's national team. He's going to be called into the World Cup qualifiers. Then that night he goes out in the MLS All-Star game, and he scores the winning PK in uh, the penalty shootout against the Liga MX All-Stars, the league he grew up watching on his dad's lap as a little kid, in El Paso. And then a day after that, I was able to do an interview with Ricardo Pepe. Just a little behind the scenes. Maybe people think this is interesting a little bit. You know, you, when you're getting ready for a game, we'll do this for yep. the Sporting Kids City broadcast, for example. They'll say, the, the PR staff will say, what, who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to the coach? You want to talk to maybe one of the players? And a lot of times when we're doing it for local, we'll say, well, yeah, we'd love to talk to Daniel Shallowee, but he's done 17 interviews in the past week, so let's give him the time off. And let's talk to somebody else. And so when Fox was asking me as the play-by-play guy for that game, hey, who do you want to talk to from FC Dallas? And I said, well, to me, Ricardo Pepe is by far the biggest story. And that was before he even got called into the national team. I said, but I'm assuming he's going to be worn out from being at the All-Star game and doing all the media there and everything. So if we can't get him, what about this guy and this guy? And 
the guy from Fox emailed me back. It was kind of like, this is national television. They give us who we want. <laughs> like, Ricardo Pepe will do the interview if we like, tell him. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. So they're like, yeah, we're getting Ricardo Pepe because he – you know, and, and then he got called into the national team. So it was really exciting. We got to do a, yeah. You know, it wasn't. But he a, is so impressive. Like yeah. that, that's the other thing about him too. I mean, and I think that's a really cool thing that you see with a lot of these guys. And what will be really fun to watch with some of these homegrowns. And everyone's got such a unique story. And with Ricardo Pepe, he really does just kind of bring so many beautiful parts of the game in North America. Uh, to the forefront for U.S. soccer fans, and so cool that he chose to represent the U.S. men's national team. But like the humility and the maturity that this kid has, and and how deeply rooted that is in his upbringing, and and just any interview you listen to with him, any time that you you watch a press conference, the way he handles himself is just, I mean, he's wise beyond his years. And you know, who's another player we've said that about? John Luca Busio. You yeah. know, there, there is definitely to me a a commonality between some of these young stars who are on the rise. And, yeah, it's a lot about their skill and talent on the field and what they do uh, to improve their their actual game and the technical side and physical side. But it's also a lot of who they are as people that allows them um, to maybe – do all the other things right, too. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Pepe going forward because I remember Warren Barton was the person I was doing that Fox game with, and he said, look, this is all great, but now the spotlight's on this kid. He's been scoring goals when he's been a little under the radar, but now everybody knows who he is. Everyone knows he's going to play for the national team. Everybody's talking about him. When you have the expectation of performing and the spotlight's on you, it's a little bit different. Let's see how he responds. He went out in that game against Austin. He scored two goals. Then he goes to the national team, sits and watches his team put out two lackluster performances, and the panic starts rising among the U.S. soccer base. And then it's like, here you go, young man. You're starting in Honduras when the team desperately needs a result. Then they go out and they play poorly in the first half. I didn't think he played poorly, by the no, way. No, but... But the team as a whole did, and they're down 1-0. And he comes out and is the man of the match in the second half and has a hand in all four goals, scores one, has an assist in one. And to me, right there shows what he can do under pressure. And so... Josh Sargent gets dropped off this team. He was given chance after chance after chance and just never could quite score goals or produce for the team. Other guys have been given multiple chances. This guy had one chance and put it away. Now, if he goes out and has a couple of bad games, do they yank him right back out, or is he going to get a run out for a while now because of what he did in that game in Honduras? I don't know how you don't. I mean, when you look at the the amount of time invested in the Josh Josh the Josh Sargent, we're so tired from the media <laughs> game. I'm like, I can't even talk. No, the Josh Sargent experiment. There were a lot of R's in there, yeah. and I don't want to call it an experiment because he did. I he did enough to deserve yeah. the time that, and they he might still in. have a future with the team, and he very well might have a future. But I don't see how you look at what Ricardo Pepe did in that game against Honduras and what he's done in Major League Soccer, what he did in the All-Star game, and don't give him a go for, I mean, to me, the rest of the qualifiers, just because of, I think, the potential that's there and what you know he's capable of and what he showed everyone already that he's capable of. Now, I haven't, you know, looked at any updates coming out of camp or anything like that. If there's, you know, any injuries, I know for the first round of World Cup qualifiers, that was a big issue with mm-hmm. McKinney unavailable, some injuries, COVID issues and whatnot. So, you know, that's the other thing that will factor back into Busio's role. I, I'm interested to see what the most recent uh, injury update, I guess, is going into this game on Thursday. Well, with no Pulisic and no um, Reyna, it's yep. going to be important to have some guys in the attack. All right, so they play Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday. Uh, Gadi Kind is with the Israeli national team, and Daniel Shalou is with the Hungarian national team, and then we'll be back at it next week to prepare for Sporting's final six games of the regular season. So for Vlatko Endonovsky, for Peter Vermees, and for Ali Trost, 
and Russell Gray. Uh, this is <laughs> Nate Buchady saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.